Hello friends, Bottles Nation is back with yet another chat. And this time we spoke with a local winemaker. It's right right in our backyard here. There's Domain Bering Cellars and we spoke with Wally Maurer, who is the head winemaker. Ellen, he was also with Jake and Tyler, his right-hand men. I got to say this was an amazing trifecta interview. I had so much fun doing this. It was pretty cool. I think the microphone was pretty happy too. It was surrounded. Yeah, the microphone was surrounded by some cool people and me, joking, I'm probably the coolest of the bunch. Um, but we were also there experiencing a crush. Thank you, babe. We were experiencing a wine crush. Yeah, so they were actually crushing some grapes right while we were there. there uh, Cabernet Sauvignon. So by foot or how are they crushing it? I would have liked to join in on that. But so, no, they weren't doing it like that. It was a machine, right? Yeah, it was okay. uh, doing, some, doing some pressing by machine. Uh, getting that juice, mix, it was already mixing with the uh, grape skins, making some nice lush colored wine. And this interview is really important because, again, it's about wine, obviously, but Wally is a farmer. Wally and his team are true stewards of the land. And we had some really in-depth chats about how they make their wine, the land in Michigan. And one of his guys spent 10 years living in California and compared what it's like to make wine in California versus Michigan. Again, we're not doing a them versus us kind of thing. Um, uh, Got to put a plug in for Detroit versus everybody. Sorry. But um, it was a really great talk about the process. And Michael, tell the listeners what is so special and what's the distinction that Domain Berrien has that very few wineries have. Exactly. So uh, there is a group called the Rhone Rangers. Now, what they do is they uh, try to style themselves after the Rhone region of France using Rhone grape varietals, making Rhone-style wines. And there are currently only two Rhone Ranger wineries and this way, east side of Mississippi. Correct. So uh, again, you know, join us as we are on location. Um, you might hear some of the crushing going on in the distance because, again, authenticity is key here. And also these wines, Wally told us this harvest was fabulous. Yes, for him anyway. Yes. Uh, I'm hearing that it wasn't that way all through Michigan. But, um, you know, we have some vortexes to um, combat, mm-hmm. and, uh, but Wally did an excellent job. You'll hear all about that. And hitting on his sustainability um, uh, measures was really, really great. Yeah, I was really, I was really um, surprised and happy to hear the, the care he takes in not just making the wine, but taking care of the land and Mother Nature post-vac. So kudos to that. Yes, and making some really great wine. And without further ado, friends, Wally, Jake, and Tyler from Domain Barian coming up next on Bottles Nation. Okay, so Bottles Nation is on the road today, and we are at, where are we, Michael? We're at Domain Barian Cellars here in Baroda, Michigan. We are, and we are standing in the tasting room with three amazing people in front of us. Guys, who are you? Jake Nivison. Uh, I'm Tyler Weirich. And Wally Maurer. And what do you all do here at Domain Barian? A little bit of everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're actually, to, to also set this up, we're here and some things are happening behind the scenes, and I'm actually hoping that the sounds come into the podcast. Machines are working. What's going on today at the winery? At the, currently, we're pressing off the Cabernet Sauvignon from uh, this past harvest. So. And when will that be available for consumption? year plus from now. Okay. Nice. Usually we're looking at a release date right around probably sometime around May uh, 2021, mm-hmm. um, giving us ample time to get a good 12 months of aging on this on this wine once it's ready to go into the, the oak barrels. 
So Wally, you're kind of like the, the, the man here. This is your place. How long has Domain Burien been around? Um, we started our vineyards in 1992, and uh, just as a hobby, uh, selling fruit to other wineries in the area and making our, our home wines. And in 2001, felt that we had enough acreage in the ground. Um, we really enjoyed growing wine, and we felt that that was uh, a necessity to make make the wines that our palates were becoming accustomed to, as we needed to control the raw material. And we had about 13 and a half acres in 2001, and we opened a small uh, family winery, my wife Katie and I, and started making wine to share with with folks that would visit us here in the area that were starting to discover uh, what great wines and how great Michigan was doing with fruit and and really becoming a destination for, for all things, you know, the beach, wine, beer, and so on. Nice. So uh, one thing that we noticed when we came in here and, and tasted the wines, but also is posted right on your wall, is proud member of Rhone Rangers. So uh, we don't usually see too many Rhone grape varietals. For those of you out there who don't know exactly what those are, those are your Viognier's, Syrahs, uh, Marsan, Roussan, Grenache, etc. So uh, Wally, let us know a little bit about uh, your background with that. Well, that's something that uh, we're very, very proud to be uh, one of two uh, members of the Rhone Rangers. Um, check them out online. Um, this side of the of the Mississippi, and the only one in Michigan uh, currently, and that is a dedication to Rhone varietals. And I sort of have a feeling uh, these young men standing here with me, uh, Tyler and Jake. Um, Jake has a long uh, affection with uh, the Rhone and these grape varieties, so it might be a reason I have this great talent. And, and, I, and I have Tyler with Syrah, that's his personal favorite, <laughs> and that being the red wine of the Rhone. I don't know, I think that's sometimes why I have uh, the, great, the great team that hangs out here with us, but our commitment to Marsan and Roussan, making that in a style both oaked and stainless steel of a traditional Hermitage Blanc, uh, you know, the, the, the white wine, the everyday wine of the Rhone, and then Syrah for the red side of things, and then uh, a varietal Viognier, which if you've never um, had a Viognier, it's like a fruit salad in a glass. It just is incredibly aromatic. It brings you to all the other fruity flavors that mm, Chardonnay doesn't. Um, uh, and some, and it's just a great experience, and I think it's something you should try here at Domain Berrien, or go out to your local bottle shop and, and try a Viognet, you know, maybe something from the Condru in, in the Rhone region of France or something. Nice, and then um, we heard that, uh, so Tyler, this, or I'm, I'm sorry, Tyler and Jake, Jake, this is your first season here, correct? Yep, it is my first crush here at Domain Berrien. Uh Started up here about May or so, well before the grapes were red and beautiful back when they were still pea-sized and uh, worked our way through it now and finishing up with the last press of the season here today. I can say all in all it's been a great ride going through it. Uh, really excited about what we got coming off, what's in the tank, what's going into barrel. I think a lot of good things will be coming out of the 2019 vintage. And then your experience is mostly on the west coast there uh, with a, a lot of... Nice. Um, uh, 
uh, Roane, uh, yep. varietals yep. I, I heard? Up and down the central coast, uh, Paso Robles to Santa Barbara County. Region really well known for the Roan varieties there. Uh, it seems like more guys are Roan Rangers than not up there. But <laughs> I think they all in Paso, aren't I mean, isn't that, I mean, it's really our style, the yeah. Roan uh, commitment on the West Coast? Mm -hmm. Yep, especially in those areas just south where it gets a little cooler. You get those classic cool climate Syrahs, that great black peppercorn spice that we get it here in Michigan too. Just signature of those nice climates that are uh, really reflective of that same terroir that we're trying to capture. Awesome. And then, um, Tyler, you're a pretty big veteran. You've done a lot of uh, harvest here in Michigan. Uh, yeah, is that correct? This, is, uh, this will be my fifth harvest. Awesome. Here, okay. So. so in comparison to past harvests, how did you see the 2019 come, uh, come to fruition turn out? Uh, my first harvest was right after that first polar vortex. Oh, man. Oh. So everything's been better than that. Good times. <laughs> Good times. And so uh, it's, uh, we, didn't have, we had a bad winter last winter. Mm -hmm. But uh, the fruit that we did get this year was excellent. Everything came in uh, just gorgeous looking. So the numbers were right where we wanted them. So it's this was a good harvest. All right, so we'll be looking forward to the 2019 harvest. This and I want to I want to say something on that, and and I can't. I mean, Tyler's being a little humble here, and Jake, um, they did a hell of a job bringing in a great harvest for after a polar event last year, and we've been practicing some things in the vineyard. Uh, uh, we've been laying down canes, and we were just tickled to even have fruit from our 2019 grape um, crop. And that's just due to our winter commitment and what we're doing with laying down vines and covering them with snow to protect them, to assure ourselves uh, harvest. And a lot of people say that's very costly. Or can't you just go buy wine from somewhere else? Well, that's not why we're in the business. We're in this business to grow wine, make a state of uh, varietally correct wines. And, and I think that with the talent you see here in front of you, me and the boys, we'd be really feel gypped if we didn't get to make a vintage. If, if they said to the painter, this year just take, don't paint this year, don't paint mm -hmm. another portrait. Mm -hmm. We'd feel gypped because you can't go backwards and to miss that snapshot in time of a vintage, that'd be tough. And so we're very tickled to be able to make the wine and like Tyler um, said, it was great, great, great quality. Only one and a half tons per acre. Uh -huh. um, so there wasn't a heck of a lot of it, but the quality was exceptional. Now with that little kiss of vortex that we kind of had in the last winter, did you guys lose any vines at all? We didn't really lose vines and like in 14 was the first polar event. 2014 we had a polar event that had been 20 years since we had seen something. Mm -hmm. And so now we've had three polar events in the last six, one being this past winter 2018. Um, the laying down of the canes have protected our vineyards and kept them alive. Um, just period. That's been the way to do it. Someone once told me that the best folks who are meteorologists are actually winemakers <laughs> because they can tell you the dates in terms of when things happened. <laughs> so, you know, obviously we're talking to everyone today with a microphone hooked up to a phone. It's a very technologically advanced world we live in. And all three of you work with your hands and winemakers across the world will still work with their hands. It seems like a lot of that is being lost today. You know, tell us a bit about why you're in this business and what brought you, especially to the younger guys, what brought you to winemaking and what still keeps you motivated really, with guys, the trade. What the heck? What's why? going on? Why, why do it? I like this Tyler, and I know I got all them Rhone wines for you, Jake, but really, why? 
Uh, well, for me, I know it started off as a childhood love of being outside and farming, going through and raising a crop. Uh, in my case, it was a raspberry and strawberry patch in the backyard at my grandma's house. And just always those smells and the act of going through and guiding and working with nature into creating something that you can go through and enjoy. But that alone wasn't enough for me. And I wanted to enjoy the fruits of my labor year round which made for just a simple transition into something as simple as uh, jams and jellies, you know. And so I remember with the uh, fond memories of going through with my grandma, spending a day or two just taking the fruit of our labor and processing it into a product that we could enjoy throughout the year. Um, and then as I grew older, you know, I, I sat down and I took a look in the mirror trying to decide what it was I wanted to do with my life, how I would uh, pay my bills as I made my way into adulthood. and. I still have this cherished memory of going through and working with something, working with nature and finding a way to enjoy it year round. And for me, uh, winemaking became a natural transition. Uh, I moved out to California, started going to school out there, and as soon as I was in a winery, I knew it was the place for me. After that first crush, there's those certain smells in the cellar, that feeling of getting up and dragging yourself to another day at work living off of Red Bull in Copenhagen and just <laughs> firing your way through to uh, see that, all that fruit turn into something that you can enjoy year-round. How many years did you spend in California? I was out there for just short of a decade. Uh, I graduated and moved out in 2012 and came back just a few months ago here. Um, so about seven, seven and a half years. Um, from that time there, I was up and down the central coast and uh, took a brief pause to run off to Germany, do some winemaking over there. Huh. Awesome. It's funny, I ask because um, I do detect a bit of Californian in your voice, <laughs> which I love because what certain words you say kind of bring me back to um, tacos in San Diego. <laughs> so thanks for that little memory right now. Yeah, yeah, How about course. you, sir? What brought you to winemaking? Uh, before this, I was uh, welding RV chassis. Alcart? Oh, no, no, before that. Well, before <laughs> that, I was, thank you for I, your service. I was in the, the U.S. Coast Guard for oh, thank uh, you. seven years. Nice, okay. So I did search and rescue, wow. law enforcement, and I also just changed the light bulbs and lighthouses. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got out, and then uh, I lived in Elkhart, and then I was making uh, RV chassis, and I really enjoy working with my hands, but I was bored as all get out. Just every day was the same, day in, day out. I couldn't take it anymore, so I started looking around, trying to figure out what path I wanted to take. And so I went to, uh, found courses through uh, Michigan State University, our, our local community college, Lake Michigan College. They all had courses um, for viticulture and enology. And so that sparked my interest. I really enjoyed being outside, so I was like, this is something I really want to get into. So I started taking some classes and uh, worked for the Michigan State uh, Research Farm up in Benton Harbor. And nice. I think that's where I kind of fell in love with growing stuff just because I just, I'm able to start, take something from something so small and raise it up and make something so nice from it. So it's every, and every day's a little different. And I, that's what I think I really enjoy the most is no two days are the same. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Well, Wally, looks like you guys have a really great team here. Really, I you I really are uh, lucky, man. I can't attest. Uh, I mean, I can't. I can't stress enough that uh, my team, my family. This is my family, and this goes with my guys out in the field, um, my guys in the cellar, and my team that helps me sell my wines in my tasting room. Um, it's a really, really dynamite group of folks that that help Katie and I 
um, get our get our wines made correctly, uh, make them varietally uh, accurate, clean, and then get them out and share them with with the folks and, and stuff like that. That next step and so on. And, and I just want to put a plug in for the people you don't see here. That's something that my team knows very well. You like something sweet, no problem. I yeah. have something for you. Mm -hmm. You want to try something, you want to get out of your comfort zone and try something a little different? My team can guide you. They'll, they're going to ask you questions. They're going to they're going to pour something and listen to, you know, what you're, you're feeling in your palate and guide you through some of the wines, helping you maybe to make that next step to, to Pinot Noir or, or a nice, really balanced dry white or something. Um, you know, it's interesting hearing you all talk about your experiences, you know, obviously for those who know, don't know Michael's a Psalm, but he's not a stuck up Psalm, I guess is the way that I like to say it. We spent our honeymoon out in California. So we went to Napa, we went to Sonoma, this is circa 2008, and we had a lovely time. And I felt comfortable, I did, but the comfort took a while. Meaning when I went to the wineries and what have you, yes, we visited a bunch of wineries one day by bike, but for some reason, I personally feel the vibe of wineries in Michigan and going to tasting rooms feels a bit more, nothing against California. I just feel that because it's such a surprise to people, and I feel like, to your point, the transition of even the, the ground and growing grapes has changed. It's like a great natural evolution to educate the consumer in a way that's approachable, whereas I don't know if, like, you know, if Californians or people who go to California already know what they want. I mean, what, to the guy who lived in California, what do you think? I just feel like it's a, it's a different feel when mm -hmm. I go to tasting rooms here. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd, I'd have to say, first and foremost, you hear the term old world thrown around so much, especially out in California. It's everyone's favorite marketing term, but it's not the same kind of old world you know there's so much more that's subject to the control in california you know there's just not very much rain there's not very much water that is an issue that comes in and that's something that you can exert yourself over and kind of craft something repeatable and have the same product over and over again but i think here with michigan wines you see truly the sense of terroir in this old world sense where not every year is going to be the same you're going to have great years and you're going to have not so great years but there's that certain dedication to the land that i think is just transparent through the people here both serving the wine and crafting it is because you're going through and you're working so intimately with nature to guide a natural process it's not something where it's just put it out and do your best to sell it and move cases but here you have such a fervent love within the people in the industry that when you go and you do a tasting that just transpires right into your experience seeing it that same dedication it's like it's like michigan wine is almost like the ride or die with the land from what you're describing as winemakers you're ride or die we're going to make the sucker work it was a bad season how can we salvage it that is such a great breakdown i really appreciate that that really helped me even process what i was trying to say with the different vibes i get with michigan versus california tasting rooms yeah it seems like the vintage variation here in michigan can play around uh, so many different factors as opposed to i've even said to most of the people that purchase wines from establishments I worked in and they asked me about vintages from California they do matter but not quite so much not like in Europe at all uh, it's it's no comparison but I think in Michigan there's definitely that vintage variation so um, but one thing I wanted to hit on too is I was talking with Wally uh, while we were while the crush was going on so the sustainability factor where 
you're not just reaping the harvest and selling it off and you're, you're actually giving back to the land. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your approach with that. Well, um, being a younger farmer, I guess, um, I have a, a, first of all, I have a, we all have a commitment to mother nature and do something for mother nature, do something that you can do. For me as a farmer, I can be respectful for what I spray pesticide wise, herbicide wise, I can be a steward of the ground. And you'll see a sign up in the front of our vineyards that says I am a steward of our ground here given, that sign was given to us through a MEEP award, which is a sustainability award that we are protecting our soils and our groundwater here on the farm. And so, um, like I was talking to Michael, everything we create here on the farm, our solid and our liquid waste from the winemaking process is returned to Mother Nature. Uh, and, and what that is, is it's just good. It's just good. And we're very, very dedicated to protecting our groundwater, um, Michigan residents, even though we have that really, really big body of water, that lake there, we don't drink water from that lake so much. Right. We're very big groundwater um, in the state of Michigan. We also are very agriculture in the state of Michigan. And I hate to throw this out there, we also have a higher than normal cancer rate. So it's our responsibility as a younger generation to really make sure that um, what we're putting out there in the environment is needed, that there's a benefit, that um, we're protecting ourselves from something that is an economic threat in the first place, and things like that. Um, for wow. so long, it's just been a, you know, rape the land mm -hmm. um, mentality and this is great I mean this is happening the world around with our plastics and I don't want to get on a rant with this um, <laughs> but uh, you know, don't use straws anymore you know let's hemp cannabis man this could be the answer to a lot of this plastic problem mm -hmm. you know we're all want to eat fish and be healthy the fish have so much plastic in them true um, we need alternative things to this plastic industry and hemp is something that is really, really taken mm -hmm. by storm both in Illinois and really in Michigan right now. Um, we know that we know the crew that's got that huge hemp farm down yeah. by us, um, over I think by I'm not sure if it's in Buchanan or not, but there they were uh, harvesting the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so if it's um, it's let's say it's mid December and it's really cold outside, and you're in your respective homes taking a break from work. I'd like to know what you're drinking. Doesn't have to be wine. We are Bottles Nation, so right. share kind of everything. what. What would you like to? What is your drink? It could be a beer, anything. Well, if it's a little cold and I'm a little under the weather, I'm no stranger to a hotty toddy, but I do consume <laughs> a good bit of wine at home. Um, I like to focus on Rhone varietals um, to go through and see. It's a way of keeping ourselves in check, you know. Just because we make a good wine doesn't mean that it's varietally correct, you know. It's a matter of going through and constantly keeping yourself in check, which creates, you know, this, I don't want to say hedonic, but it creates a, a, a constant need for improvement, a constant searching for it. it's good, but how can we make it better? And so for me, I think the best way of doing that is just to smell and taste as many similar and dissimilar wines as I can. So a lot of reds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll follow Jacob with a lot of red wine. Um, and I always try to, to be honest, I don't think I've had 
the same bottle twice from a liquor store. Hey, come on, how about a couple fingers of that whiskey you talk about? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's yeah, also yeah, a little, yeah. you know, this is Bottles Nation. Yeah. And, and what's your favorite? On which one? Uh, on, on whiskey. Um, I'm a bit more of a fan of uh, bourbon than okay. anything else. Okay. But I love BLTs. Um, bourbon, lemon, and tonic. Oh. Mm-hmm. Couple it's ice cubes. Gin drink. and tonic is always close to my heart, too. So. <laughs> can't, can't do gin. I love a good gin and tonic. Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. Wally? Uh, I'm just going to be real traditional. I drink a lot of wine. I drink a lot of my wine. I drink a lot of French wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much domestic, but I am a sucker for a heavy hitter cab like a Sterling or a, a Camus or a Nickel and Nickel. Though, uh, you know, sometimes, <laughs> it's, sometimes it's fun to visit Disneyland, but sometimes it's just nice to come back to, to great great America. Awesome. Oh, uh, one more. Oh, so it's very similar, but Desert Island wine, guys. Go. Jake. Uh, not Desert Island? The, yeah, like if you are on Desert Island, you, oh, get, you get to bring oh, one I bottle. See. Okay, I thought it was a label or something. <laughs> Me too. I was like, what was that? Desert yeah. Island wine. Yeah. Okay. Um, Viognier from Cass Cellars in Paso Robles. Nice. Okay. I'll be honest, it's any Syrah. Any Syrah. Any Syrah. Any okay. Syrah. Okay. <laughs> I think I would have to say uh, anything from Cabernet Franc, uh, French, uh, Chinon, Loire Valley. Uh, okay. Even there's some really, really great Francs being being done out, out in Napa, too. But Cab Franc. Cab Franc is it. Okay. And at Desert Island, 100 degrees, yes, I'd be drinking a red. <laughs> <laughs> no, no ice cube? I'm a little odd. No ice. Well, you all just uh, pressed, uh, speaking of Cabernet Franc, you pressed a bunch of Cab Franc yesterday. How did yes. that go? It went real well, real well. Pressed off a little over 1,200 gallons. Ooh, yeah. How many bottles will that make? Quick, math, go. Oh, oh, <laughs> 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 I'm just joking. Numbers. Okay. 1,223 <laughs> divided by 0.2. Wow, I put a, the guys on the spot. A lot of Didn't Cab Franc too. coming out. Look, look for that 2019 vintage, Didn't guys. Me too. We're doing some calculations. Oh, okay. There we go. While we're calculating, uh, I think we're oh, about 6,500 bottles, just short of 6,500. Nice. So 6,500 bottles up for grabs in um, the next few years, and as we kind of put this little chat to a close, just to reiterate to our friends and family who don't live in the area, and yes, even our friends in Chicago, you know, you want to take an hour and a half outside and drive over, come to Domain Berrien, come to wine country in southwest Michigan, Baroda. If you are a group getting married even, you know, come down, you can have a great time, but even, you know, by yourself or with a couple, there's nothing wrong with drinking by yourself because I have taken, I have taken a wine trip by myself in California before I met him. I drove shotgun on the tour bus and it was the best because I didn't I didn't get drunk at all, but I watched the entire <laughs> the entire bus behind me get lit. That was that was a trip. I think um, here we're known for drinking our own. Yes. <laughs> so any that's final words for me is you know people just need to come out and see you all and any last words from you all about People the one thing I do want to say is that yep. uh, we are very, very small, and we're really known for the experience or service. Um, if you are coming as a group, we're talking about that, it's fun to go out and party with your friends. Please, if you're a group of eight or more, please call and make a, a reservation. Let us know you're coming. Uh, if you're a bus or something, please, we, we do and must have reservations on that. So we can give you the, 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 the proper level of experience that we're known for. Bottles Nation. 
Yeah, Bottles right. Nation, you know, we are we are here spreading the love of all things in a bottle. So Would we all be here if there was no alcohol in those bottles? No. Probably not. <laughs> no, but we do want to let people know if you want to drink things that aren't alcoholic, that's fine too. We just it's want to promote bring people together, different walks together. of life. I mean, and, and to be to be a little real for a second, we also started this because the world is in a crazy upside down right now. And if people can just get together and maybe share a glass of wine or a cup of coffee, even different walks of life, you can still sit, enjoy, get to know your neighbor. That could solve a lot and of have, problems. And yeah. have a drink <laughs> and relax. Oh, by All the right. way, I did want to mention there's a gorgeous uh, outdoor patio. For, oh, there is. Um, even on a 40 day, the 40 degree day like today, uh, might not be bad to sit out there. But of course, you I know, have a shawl. spring, summer, fall. Shawl works. Awesome, and it, and it overlooks the vineyard as well, everybody. So we'll be taking pictures of that. Uh, if you want any recommendations on where to hit in Michigan, we're becoming kind of experts on that. So you can hit us up, and uh, definitely Domain Berrien is on that list. Yes. Thanks, fellas. Yep. Thanks. Thank have you. a great rest of your day. You can always reach out to us on the interwebs, whether it's Instagram, Bottles Nation, the website, BottlesNation.com, or you can send us an email at hello at BottlesNation.com. We are also happy to send you our address. Please don't send anything mean. I met the address in the forms of samples and reviews because we're always getting requests for new wines and new beers for our in-house certified sommelier, Michael Boltilliero, to sample. I will always sample with him, taking the approach from the novice, the non-expert. If you'd like to be on the show, we would love to have you on, especially if you are a craft beer brewer or winemaker, or if you have a certain POV on what it means to be in the world of libations, reach out, talk to us. And as always, whether it is a non-alcoholic beverage or an alcoholic beverage, life is short. Sit back, relax, enjoy your libation, and thank you for being part of the Bottles Nation family. We'll see you on the flip side.